0: I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about restore our fortunes. As soon as you hear that phrase, you may think of finance, money, fortunes. Um, rightfully so, but that's actually not uh, what I am speaking about tonight. Restore our fortunes. Amen. Uh, Psalm 126 and verse 1. I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a promise. I want to read this passage in another translation to you tonight because uh, just to give you uh, some clarification on what is being stated here? Uh, verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nation, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negeb." Those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This psalm is not a psalm of David, it has no title in the Hebrew or any of the versions, but it certainly belongs to probably the time of captivity. It might have been composed by Haggai or Zechariah, as the Syriac supposes, or by Ezra, according to some others. But it's a beautiful, highly descriptive psalm of the circumstances which the people of God represented in the past and are now looking forward to being part of. The psalm, as you may even have noticed already, it's made up of Two parts, the two halves of the psalm are connected with two phrases. In verses 1 and 4, it's connected with the phrase, Restore our fortunes. In verses 2 and 5, it's connected with the phrase, Shouts of joy. And if you study the first three verses, it speaks of an event where the Lord delivered the nation of Israel and restored back to them what belonged to them. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. It takes you back when Cyrus had published a decree in favor of the Jews, giving them liberty to return to their own land and to rebuild the city and temple. This was the returning of Zion. The Hebrew word which is rendered in this this text, captivity, means to properly return to location or those who are returning to their location. The ancient versions render it coming out of captivity. The reference is clearly, uh, it's to the returning uh, To Zion, and the psalmist here he's fixing his eye on them that are returning, and immediately he says that the Lord has restored to them what belonged to them. The whole of what was happening was being traced back to their God. He says they were, it was like a dream. The news was so unexpected that. That they had doubted for a time even the truth of it. We believed it was almost too good a news to be true. And, and even ourselves thought it may just be a dream. The Latin Vulgate and Septuagint render it as we were comforted. It seems like a dream. Hardly able to be realized, believed, or even seen as being real. The state of mind uh, is not uncommon because uh, a sudden or overpowering joy, we, we ask ourselves, I wonder if this is really real or is this just a dream? Is this just for a few moments? Is this just for a period of time? We fear sometimes that that may be the case and, and we, we, we think this is just going to vanish away. Uh, this is not going to last. But the psalmist continues and he says, Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then uh, said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. They were so overwhelmed with joy that out of their mouth there was a song. You know how it is when you get excited. Uh, uh, Even with your day, you may start that with a song on your heart. You wake up and all of a sudden, something is in your spirit. Uh, And there's an expectation already uh, of what God's going to do through your day. Uh, Something takes place inside of your spirit. That's what was happening here. They were expressing joy through their song, the natural expression of joy kind of like when converts turn from sinning to singing. The the feeling they find, the expression they find in the excitement of a song, something maybe we have heard for however many years brings such an excitement to someone that's just come out of captivity. It happens when the captive are freed. It doesn't take a lot to get people excited. They said among the pagans, the liberty now granted was brought about in such an extraordinary way that even even the unbelievers, the ungodly folks saw that this Yahweh they served, the Jehovah that was leading this, this incredible group of people, there, there was something spectacular about them. And the response was, the Lord hath done great things for them in causing them to return to their own land, arranging for that. Do you, do you realize that Cyrus, was a, he wasn't a believer? God put it into his spirit to let them go, build their city, Build their temple. Here's even people that are not even in God's camp. The Lord hath done great things for them. We better not interfere. We better not hold it back. We better make sure that we acknowledge that, that God's delivering power and his overwhelming presence is able to accomplish everything that he wants to do for his people. And the last verse of that first half says the Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad. We acknowledge the hand of God. God alone has given us this enlargement. This is just a, a, a mere burst of ecstatic joy that only God could do. All the people turned to say that it was true. That they could see it. They could feel it. The, the, the idea of someone who comes out of captivity in the world is probably the best example no matter what their life was like in the past when they feel the the liberty of being set free for the first time something happens in their spirit they don't care what people are thinking they don't care what people are saying they don't care how long it is there's something about the joy of knowing they once were captive and now they are free about the redemption, the conversion, the peace, the joy, the emphasis of what God has done. These first three verses, the writer is emphasizing the miraculous power of God that has brought them from where they were to where they are are now. And we must never forget or take for granted where God has brought us from. And what God has already done. I'll never get tired of speaking. I've said it so many times. But if you don't want to listen, it's okay. I'm going to title it anyway. Because I never get tired of talking about the old pioneer. Preacher C.B. Dudley. That came to my town. And preached the gospel for the first time. And how... God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in March of 1976 at a Saturday night prayer meeting in Barty New Brunswick, and being baptized in the precious name of Jesus in a very cold Cushipaquack River on October of 1978 and feeling the call at a very young age to ministry and attending this Bible college, the best Bible college, I'll add. In 1988 and going directly into ministry for the past 33 years. Don't allow yourself to be distracted about what God has already done. Don't lose sight of where you came from, because there's got to be something that rises in your spirit that you don't ever forget, that you're not where you were, and God has brought you a long way. And we wouldn't, be where we are today Uh, if it wasn't for him uh, restore our fortunes see the world's mentality is what you what have you done for me lately don't forget to take the time to realize what God has already done for you and be as the scripture says and we were glad we were glad our Bible college started is starting its 67th year of training men and women. There was a short period of time in there that it was closed for renovations. But it has a rich history of such great leadership and producing so many people that have been involved in ministry. So many of our pastors and assistant pastors and youth workers and Children ministry personnel and music leaders and just stable saints of God have attended UPBI or NCC. Somewhere between two and three million dollars of property is owned by NCC with his assets that are totally paid for. The vision of individuals like H.M. Lewis and Terry Brewer, David Farrell, and Don McCarty and Mel Calhoun, and many others, who made our new facility happen. A dedicated staff, on site, welcoming the next group of students. I said it a couple times in our meetings today, our staff do not work there for the money, trust me. Over 30 instructors will impart into our students this coming year, the vision of educate, equip, and establish a partners in education program that uh, all alumni and churches and individuals can get involved in to help support the future of our college. You want to help there, you can go to nccpartnersineducation.com and sign up. Some some people have even made ncc part of their estate planning. That's a good idea. We have had an incredible joint venture with Ontario for the past 15 years where we've worked together as districts for the betterment of our college. We've had extra board members from Quebec and Nova Scotia. Thank God for people who will see the vision of training young men and women. Don't let us forget what he's already done for us. Restore our fortunes. He's already brought us a a long, long way. What would we have ever done without the sacrifice of brother and sister PJ Mills, who believed in our college while other people came and went? The Millses were there. I'm even related to them now. I don't know if he's happy about that or not, but it's too bad. Let's not forget what God's already done. See, the second half of the psalm, it begins as a prayer. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses. In Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing the sheaves, his sheaves, with him. This is a prayer. This is a prayer for the future, a prayer for what God is going to do next. A prayer of restoration, a prayer of progress, a prayer of expectation, a prayer of excitement, a prayer of victory, a prayer of growth, a prayer of expansion, a prayer of no limits. The writer of this great psalm gives us two examples to back it up. The streams in Nadeb, which is the southern region of Judah, and seed for sowing. This second half of, of a prayer. Of restore our fortunes. Oh Lord. Like the water courses in the Deb. This is what it looks like. Before the rain. The Deb is an arid desert. With many dry. Big river beds. It is an area comprising of the southern parts of, of the land of Israel, which are characterized by a totally in arid desert climate, contrasted with the, the semi-arid Mediterranean climate of the country's center and north. And on the map, it's about 4,600 square miles, about 62% of Israel's area. But in the spring, this is what happens. What is totally a desert. Totally. All of a sudden, with rain, this is what starts to happen. And you can see it as it comes down that valley. What was con- completely dry and barren for months. All of a sudden becomes a a show for people to watch. People, people come and take note of it's almost time for the rivers to start flowing. And they they watch as the river makes its way down this totally, totally dry bed. In Negev. It's called the streams of the south. <laughs> it, uh, it actually is so, they, obviously they've watched it many times before and they know it's going to go down into those crevices. But the writer of this psalm, this is not a new phenomenon. This was going on for thousands of years. And the writer of the psalm says, let it be like the watercourses Of Negev, let it be that the prayer is, no matter how dry it used to be, no matter how dry it feels right now, no matter what the outlook was before, get ready to have your fortunes restored. Restore our fortune, God, with an overflow of the Spirit like we have never experienced before. Like the watercourses of Nadab, the, the uh, restore our fortunes, oh God. Let it be like the streams in the south. If it is possible, God, let the rapid rivers rise in our spirit. Rise in us, God, as individuals where something returns. Hallelujah to an abundance like we have never felt for a long time. Restore our fortunes like the watercourses of Negev from what looks like the impossible to the possible. The very sound of an abundance of rain. The outpouring of the Spirit that has already been spoken in this service at the beginning. A flow of the Holy Ghost upon our students like they have never experienced before. From dryness to productiveness. From stagnation to flourishment. From complacency to effectiveness. From the natural to the supernatural. Oh God, let the waters the cab flow in our spirit like never before. A mighty moving of his spirit. Our Bible college is known, and I hope it never, ever loses the moving of the spirit in our classes, in our chapel. In our prayer times, on our fast days, visiting minister, weekend ministry, I I pray that the moving of the Spirit never is lost, amen, in our movement at the Bible College. The second example that he speaks of is seed for sowing. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. This is the second second example. It's also where the second phrase joins this wonderful chapter. This is the maxim which they gather from their own history. The first three verses is how powerful God was. And the next three verses is how powerful God is still going to be and we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God remembering our great heritage and not losing sight of what God has done but opening the opportunity for God to use each of us in a powerful way keeping ourselves humble under the presence of God that we who sow in tears shall reap in joy the farmer is accompanied with rejoicing at harvest. There's a lot of work in getting the harvest ready. I grew up on a little hobby, hobby farm with my, my dad and mom, and uh, we just had a big enough garden not to have the right equipment and a small of, uh, um, well, it's the opposite way. We just had a small enough garden not to have the, big equipment and a big enough garden, then it was a lot of work. (laughs) But the joy was in the harvest. And that joy is more than equivalent for what work is put in and sorrow is put in and weariness that is experienced even in the preparation for. So, students, it may even have been a challenge for you to get here. You may already be wondering about finances, and you may be challenged in the struggling with your calling, etc., whether you qualify, whether you're good enough, all that kind of stuff. But let the prayer be that whatever effort you give, that's what kind of harvest you're going to reap. You serve God easy, it will be hard. But you give everything you've got, And you will be rewarded for your faithfulness in giving to God. Because they that sow in tears will reap in joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. The metaphor seems to be this, that it's a poor farmer who has has a very bad harvest and a very scanty portion of grain and food that has been gathered from the earth in the past. And the seed time has now come and it's, it's very unpromising. And out of the famine a little seed has been saved to be sown in hopes of a another crop. But the, the badness of, of the present season almost precludes the, the entertainment of hope. That it almost looks hopeless. But, but he's got to sow what he's got. Or else despair him. And, and perishing will be the result. So, so, he just sows a little bit that he's got. You see that all through scripture. Just use the little bit that you got. And all of a sudden, God takes the little bit of oil and fills the vessels. He takes the little bit of bread and fish and feeds 5,000 plus women and children. He'll take just a little bit. Just use what you got. The farmer carries his all his precious seed with him in his little basket and with a sorrowful heart commits to the furrow watering it in effect with his tears and earnestly imploring the blessing of God upon it. And God hears the season becomes mild. He beholds successfully the blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. And the appointed week of the harvest comes and the grain is very productive. He fills his arms. He carries with the sheaves the st- and the, and the stalks, and returns to a large expecting family in triumph praising God for the wonders he has performed. Doubtless, Come again, bringing his sheaves with him. There's no might. uh, There's not a maybe there. Let me tell you, if you sow uh, everything you got, uh, let me tell you, there will uh, be a harvest uh, that God will bring through your life. Uh, You're not just uh, a Bible college student. You will never just be a Bible college student. You will never just be a simple farmer or a young man or a young woman is this even possible for me you may ask can i make a difference can a young person really make a difference well benny de merchant was born in 1941 Baptized in Jesus' name at the age of 10. And at the age of 16, Benny received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was also at this young age that he felt God calling him to go to the nation of Brazil. In October of 1964, the Demerchants were appointed as UPCI missionaries to the country of Brazil. And in October of 65, the Demerchants arrived in Manaus, Brazil with their six-month-old daughter, Beth. They didn't speak Portuguese. They didn't know anyone in the city. All they had was a call from God. And when many saw the world famous meeting of the waters, or the black water of the Rio Negro and the and the white water of the Shalanoins the that converged through this mighty Amazon River, running side by side without mixing for nearly four miles. He knew that his dream at age 10 as a a boy had been a sign from God. And over the next few months, the Demerchants studied Portuguese and they built their humble home. And the Amazon River became an integral part of Brother and Sister Demerchant's ministry. When he was not flying seaplanes, Brother Demerchant was evangelizing using a fleet of wooden and aluminum canoes. He made and distributed thousands of his unique fly fishing tracks and trained hundreds of workers to build many churches using his own portable cement block forms. The merchant's missionary story has been told in books like Full Throttle and Still Flying Full Throttle. But only eternity will really tell what the full results of their ministry was. See, they have... More than 2,200 ministers in Brazil now. They have more than 1,100 congregations in the country of Brazil. They have 120 Bible colleges. Not one. 120 Bible colleges with over 3,000 students every year just in manaus alone there's 250 united pentecostal churches and one center that will hold 12,000 people in that city there are more than 200,000 constituents in the country of brazil that we know of and he was born to a potato farmer In the province of New Brunswick. He just. Sowed. The little that he had. And all of a sudden. Something took place. That sowing in tears. Doubtless. Came again. With seeds. Back to the harvest. I'm not asking you to be. Of Benny de Merchant. But the Brazilian church has even begun sending up their own missionaries to other Portuguese-speaking nations. Brother de Merchant's missionary motto has outlived him, has gone way beyond make disciples, open Bible colleges, teach the word, keep the doctrine, remain in the truth many thousands of people will be in heaven because of one young man from New Brunswick, Canada that followed, restore our fortune. I have no idea what God has in store for you, but I do know that if you open yourself up, there is plenty of cities that need a pastor and a church that have no church. There's still countries with millions and millions of people yet that still need to hear this incredible truth. Across our own country, hundreds of cities that have 50,000 people or more that do not have an apostolic church. And so I challenge you, Tonight, restore our fortune, God. Let the waters of Negev flow over me. And let me just sow what I've got and see what God will do. I'm not here to dictate music come. I'm not here to dictate what God's going to do through your life. I have no idea. But I can guarantee you, he's got something for you to do. Hold on to where you came from. But don't lose sight of where he's taken you. Hold on to where God's brought you from and out of. and Not everyone was brought up in a Christian home. Maybe some have had some struggles in the past in your lives. Realize where God's brought you from. You're a very privileged person child of God to be part of this college. Yeah, we're blessed to have you, but you're also privileged to know his truth. There is no greater calling that you could ever receive than God call you into his incredible ministry. So hold on to where you came from, but open up the opportunities of what God has for you. And let your prayer be just as the psalmist said, let it be like the streams from the watercourses of Negev, where it's just like a torrent river that over floods my life, no matter how dry it has ever been. And I'm going to take what I have, I'm not going to worry about what I don't have. God's not asking you to use what you don't have. Just take what you have. You don't have to be anyone else. You shouldn't try to be anyone else. You don't need to preach like anyone else. You don't, none of those things. Just, just give what you have. Just sow what you got. And watch what God will do through your life. In closing, Isaiah 41. Isaiah says, the poor and needy seek water but there is none their tongues fail for thirst I the Lord will hear them I the God of Israel will not forsake them I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs Of water. I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle of that. You can never forget what he's done. Remember it, celebrate it, but don't be satisfied with it. Expect the Lord to restore your fortune like the waters of Negev, like the farmer who sows the seed with an expectation that is going to generate an exciting harvest. Young people, you will see people this year. You'll see people this year give their hearts to the Lord in churches that you're ministering in through our college. You will see people baptized this year. You will pray people through the Holy Ghost this year. You will watch people be delivered from addictions. You will watch young people be called to ministry this year. You will see a response to your outreach and Bible studies and prayer. Don't sell yourself short and only focus on what got you here, but also focus on where you're going. The depths of study and the personal relationship with God and your prayer life and your personal friendships and a helping hand in whatever capacity that you can do just do it to the best of your ability and watch what God will do stand if you would restore our fortunes Oh, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in our lives. I'm so thankful, God, every person in this building, every person watching. God, the miraculous conversions, God, that have happened. God, how you've kept us and protected us. delivered us and brought us through situations and circumstances and trials and temptations and God I thank you Lord for what you have done bringing us out of captivity and Lord into your marvelous light I'm so thankful God for what you have done and we never want to lose sight but God I'm challenging these young people tonight God I'm challenging them to pray the prayer. That's in the second half of the psalm. God, that you would open up streams in their life like they have never experienced. A harvest like they have never seen before. God, that they would just make themselves available to you. Our district is unique along with Quebec, Ontario, across our country, eastern seaboard. There's really not any other Bible college that does it exactly like we do with our weekend ministry program. People are in our pulpits that are not polished. They don't have a lot of experience. We let people be involved in our churches that they don't have everything figured out. But see, it's never been about that. Yes, you need to get to be the best you can be in everything you can. But you can't wait until you get there before you allow God to use you now. And that's the amazing thing about our churches that open up their pulpits and open up their youth rooms and their Sunday school classes. And they just expect the waters of Negev to, walk, to wash over your life for you just to use what you got and allow God to do the rest. So I just opened up the altar tonight, especially to our students. Would you come and make that commitment as you start this college year? Yes, you want to become the best you can be. You want to do the best that you can. Obviously, that should always be a goal. You always want to improve. You always want to do the best you can. Adults, would you join in behind these wonderful students and pray for them tonight if you would, that God would allow his wonderful presence that he's put upon their lives and the beautiful calling that he's put into their spirit. That God would use them in ways that they would have never expected. That God would open up opportunities that they would have never saw before. As we sing unto the Lord, would you pray with these students tonight? Hallelujah. Restore our fortunes.